chance, especially in this season. But of course, these, this, these, these messages, this impression is for, for all of our Christian life. But really specifically during this season, we felt like we need to focus in on, on God's presence, the presence of the Lord. We need to focus in that we are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. And then we need to focus on our inheritance as sons and daughters. And so that's what we'll be focusing on this morning. And again, so over the last few weeks, we've, we've really been like pressing into God's truth, into God's word. We've been leaning in to God's word uh, that we are sons and daughters of God, that God is our father. Take a moment, like just right now, like say that to yourself, God is my father. Go ahead. There we go. A little vocally. That's all right. We can participate. God is my Father. Like, that is so mind-blowing and fundamental to how we live our lives as Christians. Like, this reality and this truth has enormous implications for how we live our lives. And I'm not just talking how we live our lives in the grand scheme of things. I'm talking day to day, minute by minute, hour by hour. God is my Father. Like, if you just place emphasis on each one of those words, there is fullness to each one of those words. God, the infinite, all-knowing, creator of the universe, hung the stars in place, told the seas, you can't go any farther. I'm going to box you in right there. Mountains popping up by, by his very words. That God is your father. God is my father. Right now, this very minute, I am living in the presence of my father connected to him. He is my father, personal pronoun. I get to call you Abba. You call me son. Does it get any better than that? He's my father. He's not some distant judge ready to swing down the gavel, crack you over the head and say, you're punished. He loves you. He wants the very best for your life. And as a father, he laid down the life of his son so that you could live. He has the very best for you. God is my Father. So I pray, man, I pray that when you wake up tomorrow and you wake up Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, that those are the words that you utter. God is my Father. Because it has huge implications for how we truly walk out our Christian faith every day, minute by minute. As believers, like if we have not yet grasped this truth that we are sons and daughters of God, then, then I believe we are not walking in the fullness of what God has for us. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you, as a pastor, that breaks my heart more than anything. To see sons and daughters of God, and myself included, I have been here. And sometimes I'm drawn, I'm prone to, to go back into that place. But I'm so heartbroken when I see sons and daughters, like hanging their heads low Walking in guilt and shame, their eyes cast to the ground, and for whatever reason, maybe it's because of past sins, past failures, not looking up to the Father and realizing that our position and our identity is with Christ. And so here's the deal. If as sons and daughters of God, we would fully wake up to the truth that we are unconditionally loved, that we are called, that we are commissioned, that we are set apart, that we have received an inheritance from our daddy, I tell you what, the body of Christ would be a force to be reckoned with. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Like, I wholeheartedly believe that depression would be replaced by joy. 
that hopelessness would be replaced by hope, that sickness would be replaced by healing, and so on. Now, when I was uh, thinking about this sermon, praying about this sermon, working on this sermon this week, I kind of got to that part, and I thought, does that seem a little too optimistic? Right? Like, I know that I can be prone to skepticism, and I can be prone to cynicism. And I'm a pretty realistic individual, and I was thinking, man, that, that sounds like nice preaching words, right? Tickles the ears. Does that seem a little too optimistic? Church, let's have a little real talk this morning, okay? If you or I are at all skeptical that these things can be a reality within our own workplaces, within our own homes, within our own families, within our own circumstances, if we are all skeptical, then we are not being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're just not. And we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent from not believing. If you and I would wake up to the truth that we are sons and daughters of God with an inheritance, man, I wholeheartedly believe that we would see miracles. We wouldn't have to go search them on YouTube, right? They'd be witnessed right here among us, performed right here among us. It's not unbridled optimism. It's the truth of God's word. Jesus lays it out pretty, pretty plainly in John chapter uh, 14. He's talking to his disciples, um, and, and this is what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Pay very close attention to the fact that twice within two verses, Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. It's like Jesus is chomping at the bit, right? He's like, just ask. You're my sons and daughters. I want to give it. I've already given it. Receive it. Like he's chomping at the bit, Jesus. And what are the works that Jesus did? Go ahead. He raised the dead. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Heal the blind and the sick. I'm, I'm hearing it all, all right? He rose from the dead. Well, there you go. Yeah, he rose from the dead. Those are the works of Christ. And this is what he says, and you will do even greater works. As sons and daughters and co-heirs with Christ, like it, is, it is absolutely fundamental to walking in fullness that we believe that our daddy is capable of what seems impossible. Now, I get that that's not always easy to swallow. Again, I can be prone to skepticism and cynicism and, well, let's be realistic. But my daddy is capable of the impossible. And by faith, in faith, and through faith, I believe that he will do what he says he can do and will do. And I believe that these promises are true. And even more so, I believe that they are a reality. Not just in some life to come, in some fairy tale world, but here and now. Here and now, in the present age, as we receive our inheritance. And so, this is what I was asking the Lord of this week, as He kind of convicted me, honestly, is that He would renew our minds, that He would renew our thinking, because our mind is in the gateway to our heart, and then our heart is in the gateway to how we walk out this thing called our Christian faith. So, He would renew our minds. And then, second of all, 
that the Lord would break the skepticism of not just unbelievers, but believers, myself included. I'm praying that he would break it off in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to talk about our inheritance for a bit. And so when I speak of inheritance, like in the present age, here and now, like today, right now, minute by minute, I'm speaking of things like God's unexplainable peace that is ours, again, right now. I'm speaking of his overwhelming joy in all circumstances. I'm speaking of God's rest for the weary. I'm speaking of the inheritance of freedom over addiction. I'm speaking of strength for the weak. And the list goes on and on. These promises that I just spoke of are part of God's inheritance for his children. You see, heaven will be the ultimate completion of that inheritance. But this morning, I want to focus on the inheritance of God in the present age. Me and my wife were talking about uh, this a few days ago as we were kind of um, talking about this sermon. I love to go over it with my wife and kind of hear her input and her thoughts. And she said something I think she had heard from um, Chris Boutzen in, in uh, Bethel. And anyway, he said something to this effect. Um, you know, I don't believe that Jesus came to save us just so we would sit around waiting for heaven. Like, I believe Jesus came to save us in order to instill heaven within us. The principles and the values of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So, my, my hope this morning is that we will see some sons and daughters up in this house, receive their inheritance, and walk in confidence in it, in boldness. Because I can tell you my story, and we can get to it another time, but I walked around far too long with my hung held, held low, thinking that I was just some sort of slave that I couldn't measure up. And God's like, no, you're my son, man. I love you. That's your position in Christ. So for a different time. But I want to share a story with you. So over the past uh, year or so, me and my wife um, have been in the process of adopting a, a little girl named Lila. Now, before Lila came into our lives, we, we had only boys, three of them. And so um, this whole little girl thing is, is, is a new world for me. It's a new world for my wife as well. I came from a, a family of two brothers, so, so no sisters. Aaron was the closest we had. Um, but <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so two brothers, and then I, I had three sons, right? So no little girls. And so um, there's a lot of emotions with, with little girls. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to sort it out. Like, uh, with my boys, I'm like, I kind of get, we kind of have this heart, like, okay, I get you. But little girls, I'm like, I don't know what to do, right? And so the Lord is teaching me. It's a lifelong journey, and I will admit that, and it's okay. Um, but I, I'm thankful for his goodness and his, and his grace in giving us a, a, a little girl. But this past Christmas, though, um, Lila said something to Bree and I that, that we will never forget, and it really gave us a glimpse into this idea and truth of inheritance. As we were talking about what, what each kid might want for Christmas, uh, Lila looked really kind of down, and she, she looked kind of distraught, and so she looked at Bree and she says, well, well, do I get Christmas presents too? And, and we were kind of blown away, you know, we're saddened by that. And because at this time, Lila had already been in our family for an entire year, and so like, this was kind of surprising. It threw us, you know, I, I thought that she had already known that, you know, what's ours is hers, and um, we give to all of our children, we love all of our children. And so it was a bit surprising, and so Bree asked Lila a question in return, and she says, well, well, are you a Wallace? And Lila said, well, yeah. And so Bree had a great response. My, my wife is very discerning and wise, and she said, 
Well, then, Lila, you'll, you'll definitely be getting gifts from mom and dad just like your brothers. And with that, like, you could literally see the self-esteem and the confidence rise within Lila. You see, Lila doesn't, she doesn't have to work for the last name Wallace. She will never have to work for the last name Wallace. She can simply receive it. She can simply walk in it in confidence that she's a Wallace. And, and I pray that, that as Lila goes about and her last name Wallace, that she will, she will walk out the values of what it means to be a Wallace. But even when she fails, that last name will never be stripped from her. She's a Wallace. And here's the thing. I, there's a hard reality to this this morning because I, I think many sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father struggle with the same thoughts as Lila. Do I really receive an inheritance from my Heavenly Father? Like, are these promises really true? Like, are they for me? And here's the thing, our disbelief, our struggle, it could be in part because of shame or guilt or feeling unworthy or past sins and and failures, or maybe we just don't understand what it means to walk in the fullness of our inheritance. But whatever the reason, I I am begging you, I am pleading with you, encouraging you, challenging with every fiber in my being that we need as sons and daughters to realize we are sons and daughters and receive the full inheritance of our Father. Whatever the reason, we need to stop letting circumstances, we need to stop letting past sins and failures, or even our current struggles, rob us from what is rightfully ours as children of God. I said this in the first sermon, and and I truly believe it. We have so many believers, and, and I would imagine that most people in here are believers. And if you don't, I'd love to talk to you about what that means. But I think there are so many believers in here living on the crumbs of our inheritance. Like we're just looking down at the ground, oh, if I could just pick up that, oh, oh, oh. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't mean to like belittle that, but our eyes cast to heaven, realizing that our daddy's storehouses are full. We need to receive our inheritance, which has already been given. How do we do that? We're getting to that. Good call. I like that. He's ready. He's chomping at the bit. Well, first of all, we need to pray, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 1. So let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for showering us with your kindness and your grace. God, I pray for every son and daughter in this place. And those have not, even not said yes to you yet. God, I pray that our ears would be open. Our hearts would be moldable. Holy Spirit, that you begin to lead us into all truth. It's not just pretty words. It's not just pretty preaching things. Um, it's not about lights or any, anything of that nature, Lord. It's about your spirit. And so right now we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you do the work that only you can do in this place. And that's to change hearts from the inside out. We give you thanks in advance for all you're going to do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I love Ephesians. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. Can I say that about the Bible? Like, can you like have, you know what I mean? It kind of feels weird to say that's my favorite book. But it, it might be. So I'm going to say it. It might be. But Ephesians gives us a kind of a, a pretty clear picture and understanding of our position in Christ. And then subsequently, our inheritance in him. And I want you to take note of some of the verb tenses in these verses we read because they're pretty important. So I'm going to start with Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 3. You can read it up on the screen, or if, again, if you have a Bible app, or if you have your physical Bible, bust it out, make some notes, highlight some things. It's okay. Uh, God wants to stir some things in this place. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, all praise to God. So he starts off with worship, adoration for God's goodness the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, what's the next word? Has. 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Did you know that right now, like literally right now, go ahead and you know, like pinch yourself, right now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, chapter 6, that we have died with Christ, and when we said yes to him, we are raised to new life, and we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You and I, right now, are seated in the heavenlies. So our spiritual vantage point is seated with Christ in the heavenlies, who, as the scripture tells us, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. So right now, like we're in communion with the Father and his Son, and with the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. Mind-blowing, right? Now, that's important because of this. Your vantage point, your perspective right now is from the heavenlies. Our spiritual position at this very moment is seated with spiritual eyes in the heavenlies. We can see our lives through that lens. We can see our families through that lens. We can see our circumstances through that lens. And so check this out. When disciples came to Jesus and says, well, how how do we pray? And Jesus says, well, something like this. He does the Father's prayer, and he gets to the part, and he says, And let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, the perspective of heaven, is we can actually understand what that means when heaven becomes the reality of earth. You see, so when I pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, I can say, let your kingdom come in the Wallace household as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come to Reliance Community Church at the 1045 service on February 18th, 2018, as it is in heaven. And I can boldly declare that. Live that. Realize that. Receive it. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The perspective he gives us is, again, one where we don't have to dabble in the dirt our whole lives, hoping to scratch out a few little crumbs of our inheritance. And he's like, your perspective right now is from the heavenlies. Man. So I would challenge each of us. I would encourage each of us. When we go to our prayer places, you're praying in your car, going to work, whatever you're doing, begin to pray with, start praying with spiritual eyes that are already seated in the heavenlies. Start with that perspective. And I promise you that your prayer life will go to whole new depths that you never thought possible and soar to new heights that you never realized you could even see. Isn't that awesome? Our spiritual eyes, we are currently seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Go to verse 4. Says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Even before he made the world, he loved us and he chose us. Even before, the, before he made the world, knowing what kind of lives that sometimes we would lead and the wreck and the chaos and the sin, he chose in advance to adopt us into his family. If that doesn't blow your mind, I'm not sure what will, right? Check your pulse, see if you're breathing. In advance, he loved us and chose us. That just blows my mind. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. Man. Now, 
we could sit on these, these verses for months and, and really just begin to scratch the surface. But I, I want to focus on one thing, and we'll move on. But here's, here's the idea from this portion that, that God really kind of downloaded me. Did you know that God doesn't just love you, but that he actually likes you? <laughs> it should be a known connection, right? Like, God loves me. I, I guess he kind of likes me. But I think for some of us, we walk around believing that God only loves us because he's being forced to love us, Right? Like, if you've bought that lie, you need to reject it in the name of Jesus, and you need to let the Holy Spirit break it off your life, right? Like, God is not thrown in, in, into, like, some full Nelson by somebody or something and forced to love you. He's not. God is the ultimate authority over everything. There is nothing on heaven or earth that's going to force him to do anything. And our scripture says it gave him great pleasure. God gets so much pleasure out of loving you being with you, listening to you, talking to you, showering you with your God-given inheritance. He simply loves you because he wants to. So let's stop trying to earn it. Don't be slave to that. You're a son and a daughter. He loves you because he loves you. Gives him great pleasure. Moving on to verse 6. Paul says, so... Now, this word so has, has a pretty big place here because it means in reflection of and in response to what we just read and heard about, which is being adopted into God's family, being chosen and loved before the world was ever even made. In response to that, Paul says, we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He had showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. What are the verb tenses there? The past. God has poured out his grace, right? He's poured out his kindness. He's purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It is finished. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he wasn't joking. Like he wasn't saying, oh, it's kind of finished, but I'll, I'll, come, I'll come back and kind of clean things up as we, you know, like he says, it is finished. You've been forgiven. He forgave your sins. He's showering us with kindness and with wisdom and understanding. I, I got this picture this week of like reading this and I'm like, man, that's awesome. But I got this picture of like going to like the heavenly faucet and God just like, like breaking the heavenly faucet open and like it's just pouring and dripping down into every crevice and every fiber of our being as sons and daughters, to every circumstance that we find ourselves in, every situation. Like that tap up in heaven, God just like, it's on. Go for it. Shower in it. Receive it. These are foundational in our understanding of how we receive in our inheritance and the promises of God. Because here's the key. Somebody says, well, how, how do we do it? Here's the key. You receive it. Now, that, that sounds really like, well, how, what, how, what, what? Here's the deal. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. It's been freely given, therefore you freely receive it. Right? You, you submit to the Holy Spirit. And in fact, let's, uh, let's move on because I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. This is good. So, uh, verse 9 says this. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fill, fulfill his own good plan. So his own great pleasure was to love us, and his own good plan was to fulfill it through Christ. 
And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. We, say have received an inheritance. Let that truth take root in your spirit this morning. Normally, when is an, when is an inheritance usually received? When someone passes away, right? And then as heirs, we then receive the promise of that inheritance. But this is good. This is good. Who already died? Jesus. Who rose again? Jesus. We have all received our inheritance already because in Christ, He already paid. He already died. He already purchased. He already forgave, right? He's already showered us. He's already given us our inheritance. He died, we receive, right? Nothing we can do to earn it. This is why, like, I can, I can without hesitation, I can boldly stand before you to, today and declare that depression can be replaced by joy. Hopelessness can be replaced by hope. Sickness can be replaced by healing. This isn't a prosperity gospel, right? I'm not saying name it, claim it. I'm just saying he's already given it. I'm going to receive it, right? Our inheritance here and now is joy. It is peace. It is freedom. It is wholeness and so on. It's not theoretical. It's not unbridled optimism. It's the truth of God's word for his children. So sons and daughters, we need to look up, realize our vantage point is from heaven and receive it. Let's move on. Otherwise, we won't won't get there to the end, right? All right. Verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Church, our inheritance is guaranteed, right? We got some, we got some jams going on over there, right on. They're praising the Lord over there. All right. We got to get there, all right. So it's a guarantee, right? And I kind of think of this as kind of like um, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. So it's kind of like putting earnest money down on a house. For those who bought a house, you know how long and painful that process can be. But it's like putting earnest money down. Like it's a guarantee that, that we have first rights to that house. And so the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, not just of the eternity to come, our eternal destination, but the here and now is our guarantee that we can walk in peace in joy, in wholeness. That's our inheritance. And I, I want to sit here just for, just for one or two minutes because I think this is important because I, I, I don't know your background with like the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, but maybe you've been handed kind of like a version of the Holy Spirit, a twisted theology, and I'm not saying I own the manual for this. I'm just saying I'm walking it out by faith. But here's the thing, I think that some of us have like a, maybe a twisted view of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and so for whatever reason, we may believe that some believers have the Holy Spirit, well, some don't. Um, we may believe that, that he's like a genie in a bottle, you know, rub it, and, okay, I need this, I really need this, right? I'm in trouble. 
Or, or maybe we just um, we think of the Holy Spirit as some like mystic force, right? Like some Jedi thing, like kind of you know, put your hands out there and you conjure up. I'm, I don't know. But I think that some of us have maybe a twisted theology of, of who the Holy Spirit is. And so without preaching an entire sermon on the Holy Spirit, and I hope that one day soon we'll talk about the Holy Spirit and invite him in, right? Um, to fully take residence. He's already there. But I want to clarify this one point and begin to kind of finish up here in a minute. Verse 13 says this, and when you believe in Christ, so if you've said yes to Christ, this applies to you, okay? And when you believed in Christ, God identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. So if you have accepted Jesus, if you said yes to him, professed your faith in him, put your, your, your life in him, then you have received the Holy Spirit. You don't have to doubt that. So my challenge to each of us now then, knowing that, receiving that, would be that we daily submit to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we've been given the Holy Spirit. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. And you say, how do we walk this out? You daily submit to the Holy Spirit in your life. You begin listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And trust me, uh, you will begin to know what is His voice amongst all the other voices that try to crowd in. It is a daily submission, hourly submission, minute-by-minute submission to the Holy Spirit in your life. And I believe that when we submit daily, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour to the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will begin to see the fruit walked out in our lives, worked out in our lives from our inheritance, right? And we, through the Holy Spirit, we will constantly be reminded that we have been seated with Christ in the heavenlies, that we therefore have the vantage point of heaven, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We have received adoption into God's family as sons and daughters. We have been showered with God's kindness and grace. He has purchased our freedom. We have been forgiven. We have received our inheritance. We have been given the Holy Spirit. I believe that when we submit to the Holy Spirit, truthfully, minute by minute, hour by hour, we will begin to recognize those truths and walk them out. So, after declaring like these truths to the Ephesian church, Paul prays for spiritual wisdom and understanding for the Ephesian believers because he really wants them to grasp these truths because they're not just, they're not like theoretical, you put up on like a, a science board and you kind of write out the equation and, and then you're like, okay, now, now go home and, and, and write that out. He, it's not some like lab or it's not some like, yeah, it's not some like uh, classroom. Our lives lived out through the Holy Spirit is like a workshop. We're working this thing out, right? We're working this thing out. And so Paul prays that the Ephesian church would get this. And this is what he says in verse 15. He says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Other translations, so that you would know him better. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's a pretty cool thought. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right 
hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of who? The church, his sons and daughters. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. This morning, I want to finish up, and the band can come forward, but I want to finish up by, by following Paul's uh, example. I want, to, I want to have just a little ministry time here, and we'll take what it, whatever time it takes, and if you need to go, that's totally understandable. But I, I feel as though some sons and daughters in this place, they need to get free, and they need to receive their inheritance. As a pastor, again, it just breaks my heart. And I've, I've lived here before. It breaks my heart to see the enemy rob us of what is rightfully ours. Jesus didn't defeat sin and the grave so that we would simply resort to living on the crumbs of our inheritance. It's not why he went to the cross. As Paul prayed, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead... And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And I just pray that our eyes would be open from the perspective right now, right, that right now we are seated in the heavenlies. That we would realize that we can tap into the same power, the Holy Spirit, who's already been given to us, whom we have already received when we said yes to Christ. That we would tap into the Holy Spirit and realize that we can receive our inheritance. We can walk in it. We can live it out. But I also know this as, uh, as we begin to wrap up. Whenever we need to receive something, a lot of times we have to lay something down. Right? Like a lot of times in, in the past and even sometimes still today, I, I go to God and I'm like, God, I, I need you. Like, I, I just, I, I need you. I need to receive whatever it is that you have for me. And I'm coming with, with fists that are clenched, already full of whatever it is, myself, with selfishness or pride, unworthiness, sin, regret, past failures. I'm not measuring up. And God's like, son, I've already given it to you. And I'm like, well, I know, but I, I, I need it. And so I walk away. Well, okay, I'll, I'll come back next time, and hopefully he's a little more generous this time. And I go back, God, I need you. He's like, son, I've already given it to you. Simply release those things in your life that are holding you back from me. And then I release those things. And I realize I have arms and hands that are open to receiving. I realize I have a heart that is now open to receive whatever God has for me. It's already been given. I just accept it and move forward. So, I'm encouraging each one of us. And whether you come to the front and you need prayer up here at front or whether you choose to do this in your own seat, I pray that each of us would simply pray, Lord, what is it that I am clinging to that I need to release? And that we as sons and daughters of, of God would receive our inheritance this morning and walk in it. It is freedom. It is peace. It is joy. It is wholeness. It is healing. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you in advance for all you're going to do. We thank you that before the world was ever even made or created, you loved us and chose us. Lord, I'm thankful that every day you shower your kindness and your goodness upon us. You flung open the tap of heaven and said, here, this is for my children. God, I I pray and I repent, honestly, that I have lived on the crumbs of my inheritance in you.